0: Hey there, welcome to The Me Show Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey,
2: this is Vincent Williams.
0: Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are starting a month-long celebration of black science fiction. We like to call it Afrofuturism or black sci-fi that's what we're doing okay yep. anyway, and tonight vince selected the world the flesh and the devil starring harry Belafonte in a 1959 post-apocalyptic drama brought to you tonight on the Show mission But as always, we like to first start with all of the feedback that we get from each and every one of you, our Michaud missionaries that reach out to us via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, our Facebook fan group, as well as on email at MichaudMission at gmail.com, where a lot of people have been having fun with... My suggestion about I don't know if we could do a Prince biopic, which is not actually what I said. I just said I don't think it needs to be a mini series.
2: I saw you kicking the beehive over and stomping on, and I tried to get you, but
0: you don't listen. First of all, first let me first you don't listen. And let me first thing each and every one of you that came out. To um, the Bryn Mawr Film Institute this past Saturday. Yes, yes. our screening and talk back of Jordan Peele's Us. Yes. We had a very good time. We met a couple of missionaries there, um, including uh, Jacob Mazer. Yes, yes. Who, our,
2: our, we didn't meet you. We know Jacob. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. already there. Right? You're right, and, right, and thank you for inviting us, Jacob.
0: And we really appreciated that. We, yeah. we had a good time there. Um, Jacob, who was the first one. <laughs> To Take me to task, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about you know whether or not there should be a prince. But bi- I didn't say that Prince doesn't deserve a biopic, I just said it doesn't need to be a miniseries, yes. And I and when we could quibble about where the biopic goes,
2: right? 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 right.
0: Um, Jacob had his own thoughts as yeah. to where it would, yeah. would go.
2: Maurice <laughs> Poplar
0: had a 12 part. Have you read all said, of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maurice Poplar said, Len, you're smoking crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to crack cocaine? It's a stretch to call Prince one of the most transformative figures of the 20th century. Paul Rubens in that space. And yeah, you, y'all all do some Emperor Jones. Yes, we are. Okay, Yeah, we are. But history will remember him fondly much more fondly than a two-hour biopic. (laughs) Anyone could come up with an interesting 12 chapters of print. He didn't change the game, but he was one of the best at it. Now, wait a minute. If he didn't change the game, then why does he need 12 chapters of of a biopic?
2: I, I think Maurice lays out his case because he was a singular
0: artist. So, I give to you, ladies and gentlemen, Prince, uh, Maurice Poplar's Prince miniseries. Episode 1, The Kid and the Record Company. An uh, agent discovers music, musical boy genius who, coached by his father, negotiates better than he should. Episode 2, Black Man, White Music. <laughs> Prince releases Dirty Mind, has a problem being programmed on white or black radio, embraces his otherness, records controversy, Michael and Prince Michael Jackson, that is, face off at a James Brown concert. Did that really happen? Oh, yeah. They faced
2: off at a James Brown concert? Yeah. yeah. Well, face off is strong, but he brought them both on stage and had them both sing. Oh, what's up? Anyway. I mean, it was, I mean, mean, you know, (laughs) both of them are notoriously competitive. Mm -hmm. So it did, you know, it's it's right there. Face off isn't inaccurate.
0: Episode three. What time is it? Uh Uh-uh. Constrained by his brand, Prince spurns his childhood friend Morris, approaches Alexander O'Neill to front his funk band, The Time. He then has already recorded, but Prince has already recorded everything, so Alexander says hell no. Prince shrugs his Rick James mentorship, releases a competing funk album. Nobody cares about the story of Morris Day no, 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 no. It's not about nobody cares
2: now. It's about does anyone care after they've seen it? Like, you can't say
0: this isn't interesting stuff. Oh, brother. Anyway, episode, th- th- I'm, already, I'm already checked out. Episode four, Cue Michael 1999. The album 1999 drops. Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam get fired. Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones push back the release of Thriller to add more bass and synth in response to to
2: 1999
0: episode 5 purple haze Madonna arrives on the scene only to be dethroned by the the cinematic and sonic assault of Purple Rain the making of Purple Rain Vanity quits after the album uh, mix MTV embraces Prince he wins his first Oscar and Grammy okay fair enough Episode six, Sheila E. Kiss Maserati and the family. That, enough said right there. Episode seven, the Black Album, aka By Wendy and Lisa. Okay, that's a chapter when he when he says goodbye to Wendy and Lisa. I can say that because that was a that was a rough one. Uh episode eight, Miles and Madhouse. Miles being Miles Davis, if I correct? Yeah, yeah. And Prince don't come to terms, so Prince launches his Madhouse project with Eric Leeds. Uh, he's looking over his shoulder. Rap is changing the musical landscape. George Michael is on, his he- is on his heels. Episode 9, Slave and the Sign. At the height of his powers, Prince is a superstar with super concert production around the Sign Tour. Diamonds and Pearls, so he go- he's going to do another film, Graffiti Bridge, but the studio is pulling a fast one. And Prince is high, but not that high. Okay. Then we got episode 10, The Baby and God, which speaks about um, him working outside the, the studio system, him being frustrated with the internet, the the death of his daughter, uh, and then running into Larry Graham and becoming a Jehovah Witness. Episode 11, Musological Renaissance, which is all about... Um, his rebirth with the, the album musicology. And then episode 12, one fine morning as the world mourns, Michael Jackson, Prince is on the ascend. He's rock star royalty. He is inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. He mentors D'Angelo, Michelle, D'Angelo, Janelle Monet, quest love is many others. But then the, the pills begin. And, uh, we fast forward to his demise. That's Maurice Popular's pitch for a Prince miniseries. Twelve parts. Twelve parts. That's about a good nine parts too many. That's ridiculous. That's not ridiculous. Not ridiculous. It's not here's the thing.
2: Every single chapter, like there is something interesting going on like he's right i mean this is the argument he's right in the middle of everything happening so that it's it's not like none of this is filler none of this is you know prince is training or prince is you know i don't know hanging around the house like he's always in the mix so you know but moving on and look all, and all of them are different from one another.
0: Like, you know. We got an email from Lance Hansen. I'm leaving you on. Hey, what's up, Lance? Maurice on that island. Well, it should be interesting to see what Netflix does. Like, I don't know how long. Yeah, they're doing it. Ava DuVernay is doing a documentary on Prince. Yes. I don't. As far as I know, I don't believe it's set to be a multi-part do- documentary. Right.
2: So. But it should be, you know, now we'll have like a baseline. hmm Yeah.
0: Oh, There's stuff for a documentary. I'm not saying a man's story is not interesting. I just question pulling those narratives sound more like a very interesting documentary as opposed to a story I need to see all of that dramatized. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You know, if if Ava DuVernay, who I do not doubt, her documentary skills, if anybody has seen 13, mm-hmm. you know she's, she's a beast with it. If she's able to pull off something that is even half as good as the uh, Teddy Pendergrass documentary that is on Showtime right now. Which I
2: still haven't seen.
0: If you don't know me by now. Right. Then that'll be. And how long good. is that documentary? It's probably a good two hours. Two hours. Okay. But it's good. Yeah. It is really really good. There is there is a scene in there from Teddy Pendergrass over in London. Mhm. Like like probably month, like maybe a month before the accident. And he's singing oh what he's he's singing a Beatles song. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. can't remember what it is right now, but he's singing it, but he's giving it that that Teddy feel. Right. Right. And there was talk about like his next album. He was going to see if he couldn't now do this for the album. Right. Right. And man, when you hear him singing, I wish I could think of what the song was right now. Um, He, he rexifies that drama. Mm-hmm. He he destroys it and resurrects it on the stage. It, it, the man was is just so effing powerful. Uh and I watched that and I was like, yo, and, and it's not recorded. It, it it's only just that concert right, footage. Right,
2: right. Just the concert footage.
0: It's yeah. it is absolutely amazing. If you watch the documentary for just that, yeah, it's worth it.
2: Circle back and there's something that Maurice didn't do, you can have an entire documentary about Prince fandom. <clears throat> like you said just now about the, the concert footage, like you can do two hours mm-hmm. of that whole subculture of Prince fandom in trading concerts and, and, and the black market for Prince stuff and how Prince, Kind of embraced it in many ways, and also, like, like the, you know, people moved to Minneapolis and kind of went to see him every night when he had those pop up shows in, um, at his mansion and at those clubs. So, but go ahead, Lance Hansen. Lance Hansen sent us an email. What's up, Lance?
0: Um, this is in regards to our last dragon episode, yes,
2: yes, yes.
0: Hey, I just listened to your Last Dragon episode, and as always, I love the insight into this film. Thank you. I would highly recommend this podcast to any students of film, film theory, film criticism. Oh, thank you. Apart from just spotlighting great films, of which you've done many, it's your deep look into what might otherwise be dismissed as a mediocre or even poor film such as this, that I find most fascinating. I happen to love this film, but more for its campiness. Yes, Vince's breakdown of the scene in the Fortune Cookie Factory was simply amazing. Thank you! It's precisely the type of thing that keeps me tuning in. Though you d- neglected to mention the song, playing in the background of the scene uh, Suki. Yaki Hasaki-su, you sock it to me, I'll sock it to you. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes, indeed.
0: (laughs) Anyhow, I'd love to hear Vince and Len debate the merits of the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Now, I haven't seen this one since it was in the theater, and I'm quite sure it's terrible. But who knows? (laughs) It could make for a good show. Plus, with Dr. J, you've got the Philly connection. There you go. We Keep up the great work, Lance Hansen.
2: We're overdue for the fish that saves Pittsburgh.
0: Here's the thing. I've walked the line of choosing a fish that saves Pittsburgh so a couple times. So have Because I. Dr. J is like one of my three idols in my life. Yeah. And Stockard Channing yeah. It's one of my sweet spots of acting.
2: She's actually much better in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh than and the fish that saved Pittsburgh deserves.
0: Well, yes, yes, including The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um she is yeah. Um so we're overdue. We are overdue. To to be, to be honest though, and to Lance's point, it it may have to be part of May I have another? Oh no. <laughs> Dude. Dude, I've I I did watch this movie again maybe about three or four years ago. Yeah, you had no fondness for it, like I, I you know, I, there's there's a fondness like, for like like
2: may I, mother like mother may I have another our films that I thought should like make us angry or or we really didn't want to watch it, but I mean just a silver soundtrack. Mighty mighty posse's ooh gonna bring you to your knees. Oh yeah, mighty mighty posse's, ooh, ooh, ooh. now you're making history. Oh yeah, and the silvers came out and did their little stuff. And Debbie Allen was the head cheerleader. You know that's where she met uh, what's his name? Her husband. Oh really? Yeah, that's where they met I did, on I... on the set of the fish that say Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, well, no, I did not know that. Yeah.
0: Norm Nixon, is that right? Yes, Norm Nixon. Norm Nixon. That's where they met. Legendary, uh, Los Angeles Laker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was he was gosh,
2: playing for the what was the name of the Los Angeles team in the fish that say because remember they couldn't oh, use, that's
0: right, they it, couldn't it, use the NBA names yeah yeah you're right yeah. I I, for, I forgot that I yeah for, uh, I forgot what they were called the, it's like
2: you know. the Los Angeles Rockets or like it was but they were they, they were evil. Yeah. They were the evil team. Yeah. But yes, Lance, we we are we're overdue.
0: Yeah, it was, it's a rough movie.
2: We're overdue. <laughs> it's a real it's a real rough You pick movie. it from other man if you want, but I'm gonna just tell you I'm gonna have a ball with it.
0: Okay, well maybe I won't pick I it I won't over. be angry with you. Uh Joanne Blaylock. Hey, what's up, Joanne? I'm at work listening to your color purple review. Yes. Lord I love y'all so much for this. Oh, thank you. This movie is hands down my favorite black film, mainly because it's the first one I remember seeing and thinking, hey, everyone in this one looks like me. How about that? The book is phenomenal. Every black woman should read The Color Purple and every black person should see this movie. I'm near tears just listening to you guys talk about it. It's a masterpiece.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. And thank you for listening. Thank you very much. And that was a good episode.
0: That was fun yeah, with, thanks. Uh, with Denise thanks and Donnie.
2: I was about to say thanks to the Denises.
0: That was a, a, a very good time here on the Michelle mission. So uh, thank you, Joanne. Um, we're already running a little late. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's what happens when you get these long emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't get a, uh, Get the time to get into like a lot of the, the nitty gritties that people have... Gotten back to us about and stuff. Um, and people have dropped news items and all this type of stuff well, in our Facebook group. Um, Anything was, time sensitive? Well, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm looking for through now.
2: Because the letters are evergreen, as we say in the business.
0: Oh, look at you.
2: <laughs> you like that, right?
0: <laughs> look at you, you.
2: You like that, right? We had that meeting a few months ago and then. They do say that our episodes are evergreen. And I said,
0: well, oh, I like that. <laughs> Lance just listened to The Last Dragon. Well, thats the, I mean, that's the beauty of right, it. Right. you, you know. so add
2: space on that in perpetuity. Okay. I'm just saying. Lance just listened to it.
0: Jamal, no, this is an interesting What's comment. What's up, Jamal? This is a stupid little comment. He says, Jordan Peele understands that a bad hairline makes people look <laughs> like villains, just like a goatee or a scar on your face. Us really prove that. Oh. oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and Christopher uh, Goodnight. What's up, Christopher? Noted that he had uh, listened to another podcast and heard me being wrong about us. What, what did you say about us somewhere else that was wrong? Well, on Gutter Talk, the uh, comic book com- podcast and the doing Black Tribbles Network, um, I mentioned th- honestly, just being that I did not think that us stuck the landing. Right, right, right. And, you know, at the time, I'd only seen us one time and I was, I came out maybe a little bit more negative than I actually mean about the uh about the movie. Um I still don't feel like it sucked the landing, but uh, you know, I'm I'm fine with the film. But uh yeah, he, that's what he was talking about. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't wrong. I, I voiced my opinion. My opinion can't be wrong.
2: Oh, your opinion can be wrong. What? It can actually objectively be wrong.
0: Well, okay that's fair. Yes. That's True. Fair. Yeah. All right. All right. Speaking about us, Sabria Hafiz said, I can't hey, wait up, until Sabria? you review the movie Us. Yeah. I saw it yesterday and can't, can't stop thinking about it. It's the kind of movie that chills you to the bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we actually the recording of us, or Vince and I, Yes, <laughs> at our a Screening, we will be making that available uh, this weekend, right? And to be clear, that's
2: the talk back,
0: it's just a talk back, so right? So,
2: at, at some point, we will do a proper episode,
0: right? Yeah, no, only fair, okay? okay. All right, there, there's a whole ton of stuff here, but we just don't have the time and we've got to get into our movie, yes. Um, but before we do that, I just want to take a moment, if, if, if you will allow me, Vince, to I shall. <laughs> send an invitation out there to all of my um, uh, fellow podcasters who are ladies or whether, whether or not you do a podcast that is all ladies hosting or a podcast that is led by a lady or a woman, I invite you to become part of the Women's Podcast Festival. That is actually Respect Colon, the Women's Podcast Festival is going to be taking place here in Philadelphia in August 24th and 25th and Amalgam Comics and Coffeehouse is being brought to you by the Black Tribbles you can go to respectpodfest.com for all the information on how you can submit your podcast or if you're interested in being a vendor or even possibly a sponsor go there and get all the information respectpodfest.com or womenspodfestival.com. Either way, it gets you there. Even if you just go to blacktribbles.com, there's a link there that will take you there. Get all the information about this great event, the Respect, the Women's Podcast Festival, coming to Philadelphia this August. Thank you, Vince. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, and we have big news about things coming up for Vince and I this summer, where you will have opportunities to check us out live. More information coming to you next week. Ooh. Until then, let's get into our review of The World, the Flesh, and the Devil. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. <laughs>
1: As no man has ever seen it. Empty. Deserted. Its teeming millions gone. This is the setting for the most unusual picture ever filmed. I know you're there! I know you! Staring at me! You're staring at me! No! 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 The most daring idea ever attempted in motion picture entertainment. The last three people alone in the world. What are the emotions of this girl? Facing a future that no woman before her has ever known. What of the men, torn by basic human emotions, as they stand on the brink of the unknown? Here is a film that crashes through time and the future. It may stun you and shock you, but above all... It will grip your imagination as no film has ever done. Do you want to kiss me? Make love to me? Then go ahead. Kiss me. Make love. Sarah. Oh, now. Oh, now it feels. Make me forget everything. We have only one problem. There are two of us and one of her. What are we going to do about it? Why don't you toss a coin? THE SWEETEST WINE IN THE WORLD IS THE FRUIT ON THE
0: VINE THE WORLD, THE FLESH, AND THE DEVIL POWERFUL SCI-FI DRAMA FROM 1959 Directed by Ronald McDougall and starring Harry Belafonte, Inger Stevens, and Mel Farrar. Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission, reading the synopsis from IMDb, Ralph Burton, Harry Belafonte, is a minor who is trapped for several days as a result of a cave-in. When he finally manages to dig himself out, he realizes that all of mankind seems to have been destroyed in a nuclear holocaust. He travels to New York City only to find it deserted, making a life for himself there. He is flabbergasted to eventually find Sarah Crandall, portrayed by Inger Stevens, who also managed to survive. Together, they form a close relationship until the arrival of one Benson Thacker, who has managed to pilot his small boat into the city's harbor. At this point, the tensions rise between the three, particularly between Thacker, played by Mel Farrar, who is white, and Burton, who is black. There are no laws, no rules. It's man to man with the last girl on earth at stake. A unique, spectacular drama packed with more surprises, more amazing sights than you've ever seen. (laughs) The world, the flesh, and the devil on the Michelle Mission. What say you, Vince?
2: This is a film that that really is another example of, of why I love doing this podcast, frankly. Because I'd never heard of this film in, until maybe a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think just just talking about either last year, I think last year was our first year doing the um, Black Sci-Fi Month. Yes. And I was looking for movies and I remember a film had come out starring Jeffrey Wright
0: mm-hmm.
2: called Z for Zachariah, which frankly has this exact same plot you know black man thinks he's the last person on earth meets a white woman there's tension basically from from race frankly and then another white man shows up and when i was reading about that i heard about this movie okay that came out in 1959 and and you know first and foremost this this film really hits to two of my of of my spaces As a science fiction fan. I really, really have great affection for what I call those almost gentlemanly, genteel 1950s science fiction films. Okay. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of schlocky 1950s films. But you think about something like the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers or or it came from outer space mm. or you know my one of my absolute favorite films of all time like like without you know not science fiction not this but films the day the earth stood still okay where you have these filmmakers who use science fiction to send a message and ask some hard questions and and you answer hard questions and and you know certainly we're all talking about the twilight zone the past couple of weeks just because Jordan Peele's interpretation debuted this week. And and certainly you think about the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits. And I think this film fits into that tradition. I'm also a fan of Last Man on Earth movies. Oh. Like, like just Last Man on Earth movies. I, I think maybe the most famous story that's been told three different ways you, you know the I am legend story mm. you know the first one in the 50s which was not necessarily one of the earlier films I was just speaking of with Vincent Price retold in the 70s as Omega Man right with um Charlton, Charlton Heston and then remade in in maybe my favorite version of it something that has been shortlisted for me during this month I am legend with Will Smith mm. a few years mm. ago And shortlist because I do think there's something provocative about a black person being the last representative of humanity. Yes. So I come into this with really high expectations Mm -hmm. about what this film is going to be. And and I have to say that as a package, as a whole film, I really, really enjoyed this film. I, I think the script... Is really smart. I, I think the storyline is great. I think you know when you when you have this this last man on earth plot, you really have to establish this sense of isolation that this character has. And, and the two main ways that this is done, either well or not well, is through set design and music. You know, sound design. I love the music. You know, I love the strings and they're very evocative and moody. And, you know, they, they did not really chintz on the sets. No, they did with not. With this film. I, I mean, there are at least 12 distinctive sets mm-hmm. that they have set up that look like they are post-apocalyptic. There are a couple of sets where, you know, I have to say, because, you know, frankly, I watched it on my computer. I had a hard time telling were they outside shots, you know, sort of on location shots or were they on a back lot. Right. But if they were on a back lot, there were some big lots. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the choices that McDougal made with the shots, there are a lot of shots of Belafonte's character as a small figure Mm -hmm. by himself. Yes. And, and so I love that part. Like I said, I, I think the script is nice. I'll start with the actors and, and you know, end with Belafonte. I like Mel Ferreira. You, you know, I wasn't familiar with him. I think he had, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess Harry Belafonte had the hardest job, but I think his job was hard, too, because, because he comes in at the tail end of the film. Okay. When you know these two other characters played by Belafonte and Inger Stevens have established themselves as as characters Mm. and now he has to sort of come in to throw a wrench into it and I thought his performance was realistic as this third person you know to come in and regardless of of the politics of race in 1959 I like the fact that while sort of default, he was the antagonist to a certain degree, he still had a lot of presence. He still had a certain amount of charm. He certainly had a certain amount of um, chemistry with Stevens. He and uh, Belafonte and their scenes together, nothing really to write home about. I wasn't mad at it, but I liked him. Um, Inger Stevens. Seems like a face I've seen before. Yeah, I liked her a lot in this. Like, like she was actually my favorite actor of the three. Okay, I th- I think she is charismatic. I think she is 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 smart. I think the you know I think there's chemistry between her and Harry Belafonte. I know you know there's one scene in particular where he was cutting her hair that was actually for 1959 between a black man and a white woman sensual and you know you kind of get like you really understood this tension this sexual tension between the two of them and then holding the whole thing down is harry belafonte and, and you know anyone who has listened to this show i know you're not the biggest fan Of Harry Belafonte or his acting Mm -hmm. and you know and I'm certainly not going to die on a hill fighting for Harry Belafonte you know I like him a lot in Uptown Saturday Night I thought he was I in Carmen Jones but you know like I said I'm certainly not going to fight somebody that hard about Harry Belafonte but in this I get it like I think you completely understand why Harry Belafonte was a star I think he has a lot of presence. I think he has this kind of breezy, affable charm about him. I think this is one of the few films that I've seen with an actor who's actually a musician that the parts where he sings didn't seem shoehorned or forced. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, going back to just this subgenre of, of the last man on Earth, I think one of the marks that you have to hit is you need to show the moment where despair and madness start to slip in. And I think there's a moment where he shoots off the gun and he's sort of yelling and and he throws a mannequin out of his apartment where you get the sense, oh, he's actually like he's starting to be a little off kilter a little Mm. bit. And then, you know. Stevens comes in and it turns into a brand new movie but at the end of the day you know at an hour and 34 i I will say i feel like between Stevens and Belafonte the film maybe leaned on their chemistry a little bit too much like i could have dealt i could have it could have breathed a little more Mm -hmm. Like, like i think it it really kind of It it made assumptions of the audience that, okay, you see these two people. You can see they're drawn to each other. Let's keep this thing moving. And I could have used a couple more scenes of that, almost to the point where, frankly, as much as I liked Mel Farrear, I don't know if I needed him. Mm -hmm. like I think the the complication of society being out there, even through the radio, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: could have held this together without him coming in. And then when he comes together and, and, you know, it ends and it's, you know, it, it, you can tell it's, it's the beginning of the civil rights movement. Like, it's so amazingly optimistic that, you know, you give peace a chance. Although I think I, I think the film is saying that the three of them are about to go off and have a three way marriage, which, you know, I guess it is a new world and new rules. But it reminded me of an extended episode of The Twilight Zone. The original run of the Twilight Zone, yeah, in yeah. a very good way, and and I I really really enjoyed it.
0: I was bored stiff on um a lot of this movie. I like the idea. Well, first of all, I like the title. Mm-hmm. Something about the title is like very inviting. Like I had never seen this movie before either. Mm-hmm. So the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, see where this is going, you know, Harry Belafonte. I don't know. Y'all going to let y- y'all give him the whole movie. All right. Let's see what y'all working with. Um and uh Harry Balafonte does not disappoint me um because I wasn't expecting much and he I don't feel he gave a whole lot. I think that there the 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 story itself and the plot especially as it begins and builds the world of isolation for him and this post-apocalyptic space that he's finding himself in, that he's discovering, I think that's well done. I just don't think he gets it across. I think his acting lets it down. The visuals are there. You feel the scale of this last man on Earth for the first 30, 45 minutes of the movie. From him uh, standing in, in, in the middle of these empty cavernous, you know, echoing skyscrapers to him coming along streets of parked cars just in the middle of the road where people just left, you know, um, it paints that world expertly but i don't 100 percent buy into it because i don't buy into harry belafonte i just, I'm just i just don't get anything off of him even from the beginning of the movie when he gets buried underneath this in this mine shaft I'm not getting any, I'm like, and I'm not getting anything, any desperation from a man that has been buried in the mineshaft that he tells us he's been down there for five, seven days. Mm -hmm. I don't feel any desperation off of him at all. So much so that when he finally decides, oh, I'm going to get out of here and decides to get out of there. It looks so easy. I'm like, well, why didn't you do that three, four days ago? Right. Because when he sets his mind to it, it looks like he's maybe out of there in, let's say conservatively, two hours. Right. You know, it, he certainly doesn't look much more worse for wear when he gets out. You know, because not only does he like have to, it, it's not like he's digs himself out of a mine shaft. When he finally gets out, he comes out a door. So he, he's, it's like, dude, you could have done this three, four days ago. And then when he comes out of there, he he doesn't sound like a man who's been uh away underground for a week or maybe more only to discover the world as you know it is gone, totally obliterated. None of that reads for me. And I think that is more a failing of the actor than the movie itself, the the script, or the direction. Because he uh rightly doesn 't have a lot of lines outside of like yo calling out for people, but then it 's just what do you make of those moments what do you make of what are the choices that you you make as an actor for those words and I found his choices giving me nothing so and that continued throughout the movie and because of that, as much as I wanted to be drawn in to the to the uh to the cinematography and to what the director was trying to tell me is happening I couldn't get fully invested because I wasn't feeling Harry Belafonte So then 45 minutes later Inger Stevens comes in Inger Stevens you like Inger Stevens Inger Stevens I a a a noted fan of classic Movies, this is not my first walk through the park with Inger Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, most famously, she was in, I think, High Plains Drifter, I believe, with. Um, she was in the Naked Jungle. She's in the Naked Jungle, but she's also in Hang 'em High, that's what it is. Hang okay. 'em High, with um, Clint Eastwood. hmm. Uh, boring me to tears in that movie as well, as, as, the, as the love interest. Um, and in this movie, she is all over the place, and I, I think she's trying to play manic because who wouldn't be manic at these times? Right. But it just doesn't read as convincing to me. I don't see any chemistry between her and Harry Belafonte. Oh, she completely wanted to have sex with Harry Belafonte. I'm not saying... well. I don't see any chemistry between them. I don't see any. And therefore, I'm not buying into this at all. Now, Harry Balafonte, for his his part, as their relationship goes from friendship to nearing the points of romance, and he begs off because he, thinking of the society of 1959, mm-hmm. is, yo, people are not going to go for you a white woman, of me a black man. Um, never mind, there's nobody out there. Right. Once he, he, he is asked to make that choice in the movie, then I think he starts to latch on to something acting wise and he starts giving me a little something not a lot because I don't yes I don't think much of him as an actor but he latches on to a little bit and he's giving me a little something like the whole scene where you said when he, he's cutting her hair mm-hmm. there's a little something there Um, I don't so, so I'm like okay I'm interested in a, I see what you're kind of saying here but then comes Mel Ferrar as the Thacker Benson Thacker, mm-hmm. you like Nelson, uh, Mel Farrar. I, renowned classic movie fan, know Mel Farrar to be one of the biggest stiffs who has ever walked in front of a camera. He has always been, in everything he has been, he has been stiff, 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 stiff and when he comes into this movie he is walking with his two stiff legs and his two stiff arm and his stiff chin and he is boring this movie what what did you want these people to do exactly i wanted them to present the story to me and and what what does that mean that means act the lines that you were giving and all three of them with the possible exception of Harry Balafonte after a certain point in the movie, are doing nothing but boring. They are boring. Inger Stevens is either overacting or woefully underselling things, and Mel Farrar is is just uh, is giving me nothing the entire movie. That alone, that, plus, once he then comes in, the story then becomes this whole um, two guys chasing after the girl thing which is interesting it's kind of interesting they give a couple of lines of dialogue where you know okay maybe we're going to go somewhere here Inger Stevens says something about you know one of you, when, when you guys want to ask me what I want right. you know I'm like okay yeah let, let's, let, let's go let's run with this they don't go anywhere that doesn't go any place. The the um it's never called to task, or at least not that I felt, about how the Thackers, Mel Farrar's character, once Inger Stevens, um Harry Belafonte, the magic negro, steps out of the way so yeah. that he can so that he can get her. And he feels bad about that. And all of a sudden, he gins up some stupid w- war with her. W- w- well, war with Harry Belafonte. Why? Because he doesn't want to force himself onto Inger Stevens, well, and even though he says he could force himself onto her. Well, him.
2: And, and he says it. He says that Belafonte stepping aside isn't him being good, it's him putting me in the position of being the bad guy so like this this sort of grand gesture of stepping aside is sort of passive aggressive in and of itself. I mean, he says that
0: like that's what he says yes, so his so his okay, fair enough, but then his answer to, for that is to get a gun, and no, we need to duke it out now, that seems to be like you know stepping on a throttle and taking it to 60. Right. I admit, but let's do something with that. Let's talk about it. Let, let let's let's go there, okay? You know, what what is, what is it? What does that say about man's impulse to just jump straight to war, you know, over something such a, so well in- innocuous.
2: I mean, it's the last woman on earth.
0: Yeah, but you're going to war over her
2: Yes who's ever heard of some men fighting over a woman
0: okay but let's have a commentary on that it, 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 I don't I don't feel that there really is any commentary on, 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 on there in this movie or if it if or if it really is there, it's not hitting me I mean, because you've got three of the dullest. I just don't know actors what you in the wanted. world trying to deliver your I message. I just don't know what you want. I want a better movie. N- no, no. I no. want a good movie. No, this, no. The bones of a good movie are here. But it it, it is wasted I with this with this it, ta- talent. Talentless cast. In
2: 1959, who does better?
0: <laughs> who does
2: better what? Acting? Right. Whitney <laughs> Portier. I think Sidney Portier has the same type of reserve. Miguel
0: Farrar, which is whom, actually, when I read about this stupid movie, who who I kept waiting to appear on screen, and then when I said, it's like, oh, it's Mel Farrar. I'm totally just, like, in a... In a uh, 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 in a stupor because I'm waiting for Miguel Ferrara to walk in on there a good a talented actor but um no it's is this bum again
2: I'm not sure what type of action or yelling you expected from this movie again I want it better you keep saying better but better doesn't mean anything what do you mean better doesn't mean better anything. doesn't mean anything I'm saying that this you know I started with it is this sort of it, it it's almost like like the 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 NBC Tuesday night theater represented or or you know sponsored by Paul malls and they come out and it is very staged and it is very sort of um <laughs> mannered if you will right but I think the vast majority of films from the 50s you have this level of mannered acting I mean that's just how people acted in the 50s no it's not it Is like this yelling and like, I don't know what you
0: wanted and not for nothing. This movie is 1959. Yes. In 1953, there is an ensemble movie, an ensemble movie. Yes. 1953, six years before this, that contains some of the best acting. Yes. And what is it? Starlock 17. First of all,
2: you can't compare Starlock 17 to this because... Well, you're the,
0: talking about the, the, the acting in the 50s. No, no, no. no. I'm
2: saying the racial aspect that is going on, it's going to be a certain level of reserve. And you brought up Sidney Portier. Okay. And I still maintain that Sidney Portier, even during the 50s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there is a level of reserve between these actors. Okay. Now, I maintain... That, what is this woman's name? Il- Inger Il- Stevens. Inger Stevens and Harry Belafonte had chemistry. Mm. I like them together and a chemistry set. Now a lot of it, a lot of it is the script, but they have this kind of breezy relationship. Mm. They're friends. She's attracted to him. He's trying not to be attracted to her. Mel Ferrer, the only thing I'll go along with that on you is I think the film made a deliberate choice not to make him an out and out villain. But as far as random ass 1950s movie where is some white people in a room wearing suits and talking to one another, I don't see how this is any worse than anything else in the 50s. You know, you got this be in your bonnet about Harry Belafonte. I don't know, you know, stole your lunch money or something. But I don't know what else you want
0: from this role. What do you mean, what do I want from this role? First of all, the role that Harry Belafonte has in here, there's nothing wrong with the role. The problem is Harry Belafonte. No. How
2: do you play this role differently? If you're a black man in Night... Like, how does Brock
0: Peters play this role differently? Because, one, Brock Peters in that first 45 minutes when it basically is just him. Yes. That's all? Yes. You would feel. What does that mean? You you would... It would... There would be a marriage... Of the imagery, the direction, the script, and the actor's
2: choices. Uh, Give me an example of a choice that would be different than a choice that Harry Belafonte made. Which, not for nothing, you can't be on this screen as no crazy yelling nigga in 1959. You don't have to be. No, no, no. So talk to me. Walk me through it. Parallel universe, Brock Peters. What decision does he make differently than what Harry Belafonte made?
0: When he is alone, and he's talking, first in the mine shaft, and he's talking to the phone or communication. Right, right, because they can they
2: hear him initially. Can you know part of the reason he got out so quickly? They had been digging, right, but then they stopped. So he was waiting for him to. There
0: would there there would have been the sense of trying to create a for lack of a better word a relationship with whoever is on the other end of the line who we don't hear okay right and you would have gotten the you would have gotten the sense that Ralph which is is what the, the character's name is is holding on to this phone.
2: Right. In the two minutes that they showed him in total talking on the phone.
0: Well well yes, in those two minutes, because in those two minutes you get the line you get the lines about how much time has passed. Right. So you would have also you would have gotten that line, but you also would have felt the weight of that time in the voice in the look, because he's feeling a little bit more desperate. Right. You don't feel well. Let me put it on me. I don't feel any of that is present and what in what Harry Belafonte yes. and, and what I am. Say- and then when Harry Belafonte stops yes. hearing them dig, and then makes the decision, oh no, I am. Co-
2: I have to dig my I way out. Dig
0: my way out of here. There is no type of change. In his resolve, that is manifest in his in his face or in his actions, even as he goes through the machinations of digging himself out, a different actor would have given you, um, would have taken you physically through that. Story. And what
2: I am saying is that in 1959, Brock Peters, Sidney Portier, um. Ozzie Davis Mm -hmm. there's only so much desperate emotion from that moment that they are allowed to put on this screen because in 20 minutes we are gonna have you on here with this white woman Mm -hmm. and we have to figure out a way to have you be in this space Mm -hmm. and keep that sexuality in check So what I'm saying, I think Belafonte does, I mean, the best, I mean, I'm saying Brock, first of all, they never would have let Brock Peters play this role. Like, I named all these names, but let's be crystal clear. Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier, the only Negroes that would be allowed anywhere near this role. Most likely, no, not most likely. Brock Peters and them flared nostrils, they ain't letting him nowhere near no white woman. Ozzie Davis is six foot 13, <coughs> looking like John Henry, they not letting him near no white woman. Sydney Portier, Harry Belafonte, Sydney Portier. Obviously, is a better actor than Harry Belafonte. Like, there's no way I'm—I would even fix my mouth to say that those two are parallel. Having said that, this—I don't feel it. This is not that movie. No, I disagree. This is not that movie. Not 1959. No, 1950- 1959. 1959. The defiant ones is 1958. What's that got to do with a black man and a white woman? I'm
0: just. First of all. First, look, look, I hear what you're saying about how he's going to have to be with this white woman in this movie. Right. And how he is shackled by his potential of emotive outburst. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think he's shackled um, in the beginning of. Of this movie. I don't. I really don't. I, I'm sorry, Vince. I don't. I think he's shackled by his lack of talent in the in this beginning. Again, I don't know who does a better job. Than I, what we just said Sidney Poitier. Okay. We just said Brock yes. Peters. No,
2: Well, Brock Peters who couldn't have done this.
0: No, but Brock Peters would have been a, done a better job. Brock
2: Peters would not have been, done a better job because Brock Peters would have been all, again, nostril flared, shirt open, actually Desperate.
0: And this is not that role. Well, first of all, I I think you're doing a disservice. That I think that if the uh, the the director and whoever producers knowing who they're built making this movie for yes, um, which is why they cast Harry Belafonte. Okay, that's why they cast Harry Belafonte. But if, but I think that. It, if Brock Peters was given the opportunity to do this, or if Ossie Davis, or if some other black actor that we don't know, right, that never, never
2: got a job, right?
0: Well, well, you you don't. I mean, Paul Harris isn't a name at this point, but I'm certainly he probably was acting, sure. So I'm just saying, right? You know, um, again, yes, I know he's six foot twelve too, but still, I'm just saying, if another uh, actor in the in this in this role, I think. I think you can still make, let's put it this way, I think you can make better choices as an actor than the ones Harry Belafonte made in this movie that don't get you in trouble with what's coming next in the script. I don't, I don't, I
2: I, I don't know what they are. Like, you keep saying that. Well, I told you. No, you didn't. Because you don't... Because you keep saying better, but what can you do? Like, under... What can you do, better? Uh, no, yes, under the parameters of what we're saying. And, and you know, we ain't gonna fight about that. The bottom line is a fully actualized, sexualized black actor is not getting this role. Not only is he not getting this role, that ain't the role. This ain't that role. Sydney Poitier better actor than harry belafonte absolutely i'm saying what kind of choice because i will go along with you sydney portier is making the same choices that harry belafonte is making he's just better at it but what are the different choices? like you're desperate but you ain't that desperate You've been down here for five days. You don't really look like you've really been down there for five days. Like, you know, at one point he pays lip service to I have to cut my own hair. Talking about cutting – this brother don't shave. Yeah. This brother don't sweat.
0: Well, see, I they, – they lucky they gave me the haircut line because right. I was going to go there. Because, look, this is – look, what what year
2: is, is my EC story that they censored cause they showed a black man sweating. This is the role. Like this is the role. And I would rather you say, I don't like this role. than I don't like Harry Belafonte. Cause this is the role. Like this is it. Black man, white woman, bottom cells, 1959. You, you ain't got no room to move. He damn near is Jackie Robinson. Is that wrong? Is that factually
0: incorrect? Uh, I'm, I'm, st- n- n- no, I'm sorry, no. I still think
2: 1975, I'm riding with you. Just... Absolutely. 1959,
0: Come on, Lynn. No, 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 I no, I no, 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 no. I'm not going to give in on this because the fact of the matter is, if you can only cast two people, right? You can only if you if you if you're right, you can only cast Sidney Poitier or or Harry Belafonte. Yes, right. So if you could have cast Sidney Poitier in this in this movie, yes. Let's assume they can't afford him, or for whatever reason, sure, for whatever whatever reason, right? They can't get, but but if you if they did get him in this movie, right? You have to imagine that Sidney Poitier also knows the politics of the time. Oh, no doubt. Right? So he so he knows what he, he's up against. So he knows, if, and, and if he's thinking along the same lines as you, that, you know, I can't do but so much in the beginning of this movie because they ain't gonna let me do but so much in right. the beginning of this movie, right? Fair enough. What I'm saying, though, is that even if then, even if Sidney Poitier is casting this movie, knowing that he can't do but so much, he's still going to give you ten thousand times more than what Harry Belafonte is giving you right there. So my, so my, what I'm saying to you is that Harry Belafonte, there is still a, there is still a large gap of room that is just. Mare talent that is eaten up by talent or lack of before you get to the social mores of the day, you know, bumping up
2: against you. City Portier is going to give you 10,000 times more. How? What does he do? Again, walk me through it besides I the fact... I just did. No, I just told you about how you do? make better... You make different choices as an actor. Give me an example of I a just choice. I gave because, you or not? No, choices. you didn't. Because every told. choice you gave me was something that they couldn't do. No, no, I didn't. Give me no, an I example. Did. No, I didn't. Maybe I missed it. Give I told me, you.
0: I told give me, you. When tell he me that When he finds out that he, he's going to have to dig himself right. out of there. Right. And what does Sidney Poitier do differently? W- what he does differently is that in his face... And in his actions, you can see the the switch being flipped where he goes from sitting there, holding on for dear life to this to the tether of this phone and making up a, a relationship with here mm-hmm. to the no. I'm going to get my butt out of here because I no longer hear them coming. And you would have seen this, the, the switch in his eyes and in his action. And then as he is trying to dig th- dig himself out of this hole that he has been sitting in for seven days. When Harry Belafonte in this movie hears it, he says, oh, I gotta go. And then he almost Literally, turns a corner, pulls down a couple of rocks, and he is out. You do I, not. I mean, that's si- just the set, though. That's. I mean, Sidney no, Poitier no, 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 would do no, the no, exact same I, thing. I'm being dismissive when I'm when I'm going to that degree. Yes, you see him kind of like crawl through some stuff. Yeah, but you never see any of the desperation, any. Uh, any of it register in his in his sure face or do. in his body. Sure you do. What he's got more sweat. Yes. They throw some well, more well, water well, on his well, shirt. Well, again, and not no whole lot. Not no whole lot. No, no. I don't well, what you I don't see what you saw because I didn't see any desperation at all i did not see a change of pace at all and then once he gets out into the street i don't see anything i see him with this weird run that he has with both hands uh, 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 like like wings on the side of yes i don't know he's not a runner i don't know i mean is that the yafit koto he plays guitar i mean i don't know what what's going on there um but there's he's giving me nothing absolutely nothing the scenery is giving it to me so the set design is so everybody it to me. wrong about sydney for, about harry belafonte not everybody we all
2: wrong about harry belafonte not
0: everybody's wrong because you even said he, you're not going to say that he's the greatest actor
2: no 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 and he's not but i think he is good enough as an actor and i think he has charisma like you understand why
0: this dude became this dude i think he has charisma It's not on display in this movie. According to you, it's not on display anywhere. Well, that's not true. Where is it on display? I said he had charisma. I said he had some charisma in, uh, what was it, Carmen? Uh, No, you didn't. You hated him in Carmen Jones. I didn't
2: didn't like him. No, you hated him in Carmen Jones. Right. You just don't like Harry Belafonte. He's good in the Bill Cosby. No, no, he's I did. I said that's right. his best yeah. thing. No, he's done by 75. I mean, clean cut Copacabana, uh, Coconut song, the, the tarantula in the bananas. Uh, Harry Bella again, Sydney Portier,
0: Harry Belafonte. I don't see it. everybody wrong. Yes, okay, yes. Oh. Yes, All he's right. a good-looking man. I ain't talking about him being good-looking. Well, that's what everybody—that's what's selling so him. That's it. Oh, that's it. That's it. That is. And he it. can sing. And he can sing. I, I give the man. I give. That's I, I, it. I, I, he's got that talent. He's got that talent. He can sing. He can sing. And he's and and and. and I will say this. Is he the world's g- worst actor? Heck no. No, I am I'm not. I would never say that. And and I will also, one thing I will say, I'll knock his acting, but I will not I will never knock Harry Belafonte, the man. I ain't thinking about the, Harry Bel- no, Belafonte, I the man. I, don't, I, don't no, no, any, no, I don't want any of no, the no, missionaries no, to think I'm no, knocking the man, Harry Belafonte. We, we're talking about his activism. Because the man is
2: no we joke talking about We're talking about Harry Belafonte in front mean, of the camera. at this moment. Made these movies throughout the 50s and 60s, Harry Belafonte. He's not that great, no. I ain't say he was that great. I said he's good enough. Well, good enough, no. And he's fine in this movie. He's not. He's just the best one. I actually like her better than him in this movie. Well, then you've got problems because she's horrible. What could she have done differently? (laughs) A lot. Again, be convincing. Look, this is the gig. It's 1959, black man, white woman in these movies. And, and, you know, in general, I hate these movies. But Last Man on Earth, here it is. This is the story. I believed that these two people were attracted to one another. Okay. Frankly, I believe they were attracted to one another in real life. Like, looking at their at their personal lives and who they ended up with, I think they were actually attracted to one another.
0: Well, that, That's fair.
2: I mean, you neither know. of them are bad looking people. You know, Mel Ferreira I ain't, look, I ain't gonna fight you at all about that because frankly I think the script wanted him to not be, you know, the quote unquote bad guy so that the three of them can walk off together. But you know it is Harry Belafonte like Harry Belafonte ain't no worse than ninety percent of these people that made these dry ass movies all through the fifties again they're on on NBC nabisco Playhouse.
0: I hear you all I'm saying i I think that there is a lot of meat to be mined here, and I think
2: it is let down by the act I think in nineteen fifty nine this is as good as it gets. I think in nineteen sixty nine even we might be having a different conversation. And as you go forward in time, absolutely. But
0: 1959... Look, no, because 1958 you had the defiant ones, so why can't you then no, 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 have no, no, this no, no. conversation? I'm in talking
2: specifically about <laughs> black
0: men and white women. Don't nobody. Oh, yes, it? I know that. So if Who's, you can, if you can have the conversation about black men and white white men, no, in 1958, no, 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 no.
2: no. So why co- not? Because it's a completely different conversation. It's a different conversation. No, it's a completely different conversation. Yes, I know. Yeah. So the so defiant the defiant ones compared to this is apples and spaceships. Let's have it. Yeah. I say so, let's have it. Well you gotta you're gonna have to find me another movie from nineteen fifty nine with the black man and white woman then. Like I need mm-hmm. a frame or reference besides you just hate Harry Belafonte. <laughs> and he could do better. <laughs> he could be better.
0: I did, You asked for. You asked for. Uh, you know, giving you specifics. I gave you specifics. No, no, no. If you don't agree with him I can't help. You didn't that. actually give me specifics. I did so. I you went through the whole scene. He, you <laughs> said he
2: could show more desperation. I went through the whole scene. Yeah, but you
0: didn't. I mean, what does that mean, though? Again, what, what do again? you mean? What does that mean? You, he, you're obviously not an actor. It means a lot. When yes, you, yes. Because when you're an actor, it's all about your choices. Especially if the scene yes, doesn't have yes. a lot of dialogue. I'm not an actor,
2: but I am an audience. Okay. And I'm saying, it's not so much more you could do. Because again, in 15 minutes or 20 minutes, we're going to wheel out Blondie. And what we can't have... Is you making different choices and emoting more, Mr. Clean Cut Negro? You already had to put your own money up to produce this thing. But we both like the sets. Yeah, we did. I'm tired. Be tired all you want. Yeah, you just got this. It's like Harry Belafonte in play. Like, I don't know what they did. Kicked you in the nuts or something. What? When Came and took your lunch He's money. not a good actor. Like, Harry Belafonte in play came and picked
0: on you when you were a kid. And there are people out there that agree with me about play. And there are people out there that probably agree with me about Harry Belafonte. Not in this movie. I mean,
2: again, huh? You know.
0: People have been told he's a great actor. He's not a great actor. Nobody's. Who
2: said Harry Belafonte was a great actor? A lot of people say that. No, no one says Harry Belafonte is a great actor. Some people, they, they, say they say he's a great entertainer, yeah. and that acting is one of the things that he does. But that's like saying that uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is a great entertainer and then somebody gonna spend an hour talking about him doing them gun tricks. <laughs> <laughs> like he looks nice in the suit. He can sing. He You know do his little thing but you know Harry Belafonte ain't the greatest actor. But he again he's alright. Like you you talk about these classic films. was some dry ass movies in the 50s. Not all of them. No no no. Most of them.
0: Well, that's not fair.
2: Most, most of them. They they play the strings. (laughs) and is white people standing in a parlor talking to one another.
0: That's not fair. But
2: But it's accurate. No, it's not. It is accurate. Most. I think Harry Belafonte is an average fifties actor. Certainly, when you put him underneath the restraints and parameters. Of a film like this. You trying to look up some with another black man and a white woman? Well, I'm looking Good luck with that, because they make the movies. Don't nobody get to be nowhere with no white woman except Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier. And them two Negroes weren't allowed near them that much.
0: What I'm doing is I'm looking up the movies that we have reviewed so far from the 1950s. And we've reviewed before this movie four movies from the fifties, uh, Carmen Jones, yes, with Harry Belafonte, in which you hated him. Yes, I, I'm. Re- I'm reading in uh-huh. the in the description where it says that we were decidedly split, yes. over the performance of Mr. Right. Belafonte. Right, right, right. And I can I can see which way that uh-huh. went. went. Uh, we reviewed <laughs> the Jackie Robinson story. Right.
2: Well, is is he a
0: better actor than Jackie Robinson? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, we reviewed uh, Anna Lacosta, Anna Lacosta, with right? Eartha Kitt and Sammy Davis Jr. Right. Sammy Davis Jr. Is a better actor than
2: Harry. Sammy Donald Davis Hunter. is a better actor than Sam. Well, with a, uh, with some black people. What's the name of that movie with him and the white woman? Is that Kid
0: Dynamite or yeah? Well, we'll have to do that and see how old Sammy does. Okay. Anyway, uh, we reviewed The Mark of the Hawk. With uh, Sidney Poitier and Eartha Kit. Right, and Sidney Poitier is not that great in that. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's early, early Sid. Right, yeah. and it's the 50s, and it's a dry-ass 50 movies. It, <laughs> and we reviewed... Right. And we reviewed The Defiant Ones, which was an excellent
2: movie. Which was an excellent movie, Absolutely better than 99.9% of everything that was made between the years of 1950 <laughs> and 1959. Is that not accurate?
0: That's fair. Right. So again, but, but I mean, but average, The Godfather is better than 99% of the stuff yes. that was made in the 70s. No, no, no.
2: I would never judge the 70s by The Godfather. You're the one want to take Harry Belafonte and put him up against I don't you know Marlon friggin Brando and Sidney Portier. You know I just I I I just feel like if Al Pacino could have traveled through time and he would have been better
0: in this role. It's like well well yeah that is not what I said. That is that is 100% not what I'm I said. I'm just saying, I, oh my god, I wish one of our actor friends ah tell stri- me I'm wrong. But Look, I think they, they I started what with to say. we uh,
2: there are uh, again, j- tell me if I'm wrong. There are a certain amount of parameters that an actor is working within in this role. That's what I said. Within those parameters of this role in 1959, mm-hmm. I think Sidney Poitier, one of the greatest actors of his generation, God would have been better than Harry Belafonte. Yes. But seeing how, as within those parameters, the only two people who could have fit within them in 1959... Were Harry Belafonte and Sidney Portier? I think Harry Belafonte did all right. And I think he didn't. All right. Okay. So you would not recommend The World, The Devil, and The Flesh? The World, The Flesh, and The Devil? Do- I keep mixing up the damn name.
0: <laughs> <This> <laughs> we, even disagree, we even disagree about that. I hate the name. I like it. Yeah, it, 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 it there I you mean, go. It, you you got to know it, but it, I, I like it. Um, I don't know if it necessarily. I think I know what they're trying to do with the title. I don't know if it actually really works. Yeah. Um, I kind of don't want people to see this movie, but I kind of want them to see the movie just so they can get the gist of what we're talking about. So, so and it's it's out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's it's just right
2: on YouTube, and I think it's it's pretty historical. I, th- I think we were talking about, like you were talking about, uh, the the first black science fiction film, and I mean, certainly I don't know if this would be considered the first black science fiction film. I got a
0: funny feeling it can't be,
2: but I mean, it's got to be early. This can't be the first black science. I fiction. mean, it's it's got to be in the in in the first five. And even then, I'm being super conservative because from what you were talking about the other night, I don't even know if that counts as a science fiction movie.
0: Well, it counts a lot. It's, it's, it's both, I think. But I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it may be. It, 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 you're right. It may be one of the first. It mm.
2: also reminds me of the first black science fiction story ever written, The Comet, by W.E.B. Du Bois. Yes. Which is another one with this plot. Apparently when we get black science fiction early is ooh what'd have happened if it's a black man and a white woman. Just imagine. Apparently that was the go to.
0: <laughs> You're crazy. All right. Um so you would recommend this movie.
2: I would recommend this movie. I would strongly recommend this movie. I enjoyed this movie a great deal, like I said. At the very beginning, I think about The Day the Earth Stood Still. I think about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And certainly I think the acting in Invasion of the Body Snatchers is more um, active, if you will, as we were saying. But I think, I think the acting in here is way comparable to The Day the Earth Stood Still. Like you want to talk about a mannered um, mannered performances by the actors. But again, it's, it's, it's the 50s. So so, I, I enjoyed this a, a great deal, and I would recommend it.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. The world, the, the flesh, and the devil. Check it out; it's out there for your viewing. It's available on YouTube for you. No. Oh, oh. we're celebrating black science fiction all this month here on the Michaud Mission before we tell you what is coming up next week I invite you all to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Mishow Mission join the Michaud Mission Facebook group where we have lots of fun and conversations email us at Michaud Mission at gmail.com Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X and if you really want to help the show you can please Wherever you catch us, uh, catch the podcast, leave us a ranking and a rating. That is how people find the show. It really helps people find the show a great deal. Mm-hmm. And we're on Pandora. And we're on Pandora. And we're on Pandora. How about that? Yeah. We're on Pandora, we're on Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes. Hey, wherever you get podcasts, yeah, you'll find the Michelle. You'll mission. find the Michelle mission. You'll also find us in the edited form as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam, WPPM here in Philadelphia, as well as you can Wake Up With Me show every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, The Voice of Drexel University. All right. Our show is also available on PodGlomerate, the PodGlomerate network of curated podcasts just for you. Go to thepodglomerate.com for all the deets. All right. It's Black Sci-Fi Month, Vince. All right. Next week, you know, I was going to go in a Wayback Machine. Yes. But you went to 1959. Yes. So I said, ah, I don't want to go that far back. I don't okay. want to go further back. So I, I, I stayed in the 21st century. Oh! Exciting. I did go back in time, though. Okay. But I only had to go back two years. Really? Yes. 2017. 2017. For a, for a Canadian... Science fiction film. Oh. That was inspired by Nalo Hopkinson's novel. Oh. The Brown Girl in the Ring. Really? We will be watching next week Brown Girl Begins. Wow. You know, I teach Brown Girl in the Ring. Do you
2: really? I do. I'm actually I'm I'm the class that I'm teaching it in just started this week.
0: Wow. So, that's interesting.
2: So I'm a big, big big fan of Brown Girl in the Ring. Well, I, I, I I didn't even know this existed until this exact second, right here in real time.
0: Oh, you weren't aware of this movie? Yeah. Came out, uh, had a very short theatric yeah. run, but it did. Um, and it came out in 2017. Uh, Brown Girl Begins.
2: Oh, yeah. Canadian that's...
0: science fiction film starring uh, Nigel Sean Williams, Shakura, Sahida, Emmanuel Kabanga, Rachel Crawford, and Miyasha Bruger's Grossman. That's oh okay. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this actually this film actually uh, premiered at the Urban World Urban World Film Festival in 2017 uh, in conjunction, and was released in 2018 in conjunction with Black History Month. Okay, and has uh, deep
2: Afrofuturistic themes. It it does. It does. So looking forward to this. There you it's go. A good choice. Yeah, I, it's a good pull. I try. Harry Belafonte is not in it,
0: which means it already already is a B. Already,
2: B for
0: Brown Girl Begins. No Belafonte. Brown Girl Begins right with no Belafonte. Right. Hey, did you see Twilight Zone? I haven't.
2: It's not bad.
0: Yeah, it's I,
2: not bad.
0: I um, I just caught. You know, I was I was looking for it, and then I realized that I had to catch up on Doom Patrol. I, I need to catch up on Doom, Doom
2: Patrol. So good, uh, it is. I'm like two episodes behind. Doom Patrol is really good, man. It's ri- it's actually ridiculously good.
0: Doom Patrol is really good. You know what else is really good? What? What else is really, really surprisingly, freaking good and fun? What? Shazam! Is it really? I cannot lie. It is a fun movie. Okay. It is a fun. It's everything that everybody was talking about. Aquaman. Shazam is Shazam actually. Shazam is, is the real deal. Okay, is the real deal. Good to know. And it 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 and when I remember, we're, we're geeking out a little bit before the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. I remember when in Captain America: Civil War. Yes, love that movie. Absolutely, I love all the Captain. Yeah, w- Captain yeah, yeah. But there was a moment in the Captain America: Civil War when Ant Man turned into Giant Man. Yes. I literally turned into a 10 year old. Yeah. And was like, oh my God, it's giant, man. I said it out loud in a freaking movie theater yeah. with a whole bunch of press guys around me. I did not care. Yeah. I have never had a moment in a movie like that since until Shazam. Well, all right. And when it happens, everybody in the movie was 10 years old. All everybody. right. Everybody.
2: Well, that is a strong recommendation for a film that I was a little ambivalent about seeing. me
0: too okay fair enough it's fun all right all right mm-hmm. all right okay so you're gonna see it this weekend right uh yes okay good so yeah can, yeah yeah we can talk about it next week all okay right. all right we gotta go all right he's Vince I'm Len In parting we say
2: we'll see you when it's time to meet again